Welcome to Real Food, Real Conversations with Sophia DeSantis, where we focus on finding our happy balance between salad and fries. Welcome back to the Real Food, Real Conversations podcast with me, Sophia, and today I have a guest, Ashley Kitchens, which to me, I absolutely love her name. It's amazing. Um, And we are in episode 35, and I'm super excited to have her here today because we're going to talk a lot about mindful eating. And last episode, we talked a lot about mindfulness in general, and I'm super excited to take that and put it on how you can use that mindfulness in like life eating because eating should happen all day, every day. Um, Ashley, why don't you introduce yourself first and like tell everybody um, what you do and talk about your amazing name because it's just so cool. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So I was born with the last name of Kitchens. I always have to tell people that. So I'm just out here fulfilling like my destiny, I guess. So yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I'm a plant-based registered dietitian nutritionist, and I have a private practice where I meet virtually with clients all over the world, which is really exciting. Um, Wow. Yeah, and works out nicely since most of us have to stay home anyway, so (laughs) uh, everything's done virtually, which is cool. Um, And yeah, so that's like a big part of my business, what I do. Um, obviously, a big part of it is centered around plants and how we can incorporate more plants into our lives and, and really enjoy them, make them really delicious. And then also with that, I do bring a lot of mindfulness into my practice as well. So how can we approach our relationship with food and just eating in general from a mindful, intuitive way that feels really good to us? I love that because, um, well, the truth of the matter is, it's like, Plants have so many nutrients and so many great things. So I don't think anybody out there is going to argue like you shouldn't eat a lot of plants. Like it's, it's great. You know, I mean, whatever you want to eat in addition to those plants, you do you, but plants are, we need them. We need them to survive. We need them to, you know, function. Our cells need them. All the little things that they give us, you know, you know, from our little cells to just our overall feeling. I mean, I know that, you know, my audience knows that I'm, mostly plant-based. I'm plant heavy, I guess you can say. Um, but I do feel best when I'm mostly eating plants. And when I go away, I mean, cocktails and fries are pretty much my diet when I'm relaxing and on vacation, which, you know, great. It, but my body at this point, it comes back and it's like, give me something green. (laughs) Yes. Yep. Yeah. And I think that's such a great point. I like the term plant heavy because that's a lot of what I bring into my practice as well. It's like, by no means do you have to go like full plant-based, but let's, let's see. And most people come to me because they just want to eat more plants in general, but like, let's see how we can incorporate them so that they're enjoyable. It's not daunting and just something that is just really fun. And kind of like what you were talking about, we basically, I, kind of merge the best of both worlds, which is choosing these foods that we really love. And in the process, sort of honoring our health and listening to our body along the way to make sure that we're choosing foods that are the best of both worlds. And being, taking a quick step back was something that I do a lot. I talk a lot about that being plant heavy doesn't mean you're eating salads all day, because let's be real for me. I am not, I salad to me in general is an appetizer. I love ordering salads as my first course. I am not the girl that eats 
I, I'm not saying I never do it, but in general, I don't eat huge salads. They don't satisfy me. Um, if I eat a big salad, it's because I'm my body is telling me, give me some raw greens. We need them now. Um, but in general, my salads have like, I do a lot of like stuff from, but I, I do a lot of like warm stuff in my salads too, like roasted veggies and, and I'm all about sauce. So I always have one of my sauces that I make covering that salad. And then sometimes I'm fine, but I also probably have like grains on the salad or chips on the side or something. So when we say plant heavy, this does not mean like you're helping people eat like a rabbit. Like that has nothing. <laughs> no. People get so confused by that. And I'm like, dude, go to my website. Everything is made from plants. It, 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 I have probably like a handful of salads on there. That, that's it. Yep. <laughs> and no, I've got you're... hundreds and hundreds of recipes. I was going to say your website is stunning and your Instagram. Like you always showcase how you can bring in all these you know, plant foods, but that don't look like, like you said, just a regular salad. And I am the same yeah. way when it comes to salad. So you, either someone needs to make a salad for me or it has to be like this really hefty thing that you're talking about with all the toppings, yeah. because it's just, yeah. it's not as satisfying to me. And yeah, I think that's a really good point. It doesn't have to be just and like, I, yeah. And I love it as an appetizer, like a little light salad as an appetizer to kind of get my body excited for food. Like when I go out, I'm all about my husband and I always do like, we share usually a salad of some sort, you know, they're, they're tasty. Like, but then I'm like, okay, bring me the main course. Like what's coming <laughs> yes. next? Yes, absolutely. Um, and I love what you said too. Like, so in talking about mindful eating, first of all, why don't you tell people? Cause my big thing is I, I don't think everyone truly understands what mindful eating really is. So as you know, a registered dietitian who talks a lot about that, what is mindful eating in like simplistic terms? So it's basically like a form of meditation in a way, kind of very simply stated. It's really just maintaining that like in the moment awareness while you're eating, being present when you sit down to eat a meal, um, trying to minimize all those distractions of like, oh, I'm scrolling through social media and I'm also working and kind of doing all these other things, multitasking while you're eating. So it, it really is very simplistically just being present when you sit down to eat a meal. And how does that differ from intuitive eating? Because to me, they're very, I mean, they're definitely very connected, but how does that differ in definition? Like when, because yeah, how does that differ? Yeah, there's definitely some overlap there. Intuitive eating is a very specific 10 principle structure um, that there's a principle, like there's something to sort of accomplish in each principle. So it's, very, uh, it's more structured, I would say. So it's very clear, like when you Google intuitive eating, 10 principles should come up um, by these uh, two registered dietitians that created uh, this like process. There's a, there's some really great resources, a couple great books out there um, from them, but it's a little bit there, even though there are some overlaps, um, it's, it's different as well. Okay. So intuitive eating is more what, what is like, what is the big difference between mindful eating and intuitive eating? Like, as far as like, they both kind of connect the eating to your body um, mm -hmm. versus what I feel um, in today's food space, which I'm sure you see a ton of, I feel like so many people are jumping from diet to diet to diet to diet and letting outside sources guide what they eat versus letting themselves guide what they eat. And, and yeah. there's th this, there's a huge disconnect. And 
part of, I'm not a nutritionist, nor am I a dietitian. However, I do talk a lot about listening to your own bodies when it comes to food. And, and I think a lot of people don't know how to do that. Yeah. We often like, we lose sight of that. Um, I think kids are like the best example of being intuitive eaters. Cause especially when you're really, really little, you cry when you're hungry and most often you don't cry when you're not hungry. You're, you know, you stop when you're, when you're satisfied or when you're full. And so we sort of lose sight of that as we are immersed in diet culture and we listen to maybe what other people tell us we should or shouldn't do, or we see something on social media, all these like distractions, all this noise out there that takes away that like inner wisdom, that listening to our body that we once had, um, it can be a real challenge. And so that's where, you know, both of these uh, approaches really help guide you back to yourself, back to listening, back to being in touch with what it is that your body is telling you so that you can really, really be satisfied with the foods that you're eating, you know, gain that satisfaction and just have an enjoyable experience while you're eating. Enjoyable because why are you eating if it's not enjoyable? I don't, that is like, that is like a huge thing for me. Like eating is not just about like giving your body fuel. Like it, you have taste buds for a reason, right? Yes. Oh my gosh. 100%. And in fact, that's one of the principles in intuitive eating is like finding the satisfaction in food. I mean, food is one of like life's greatest pleasures on this earth. And that is, yeah, it's taken away from us when we start dieting or restricting. It almost becomes this like, I don't know, like daunting or like, like a task. It's it's just like an everyday task, like check it off, ate breakfast. I'm like, no, like I don't want to just eat breakfast. Like I want, and that's the one thing I have, I, when you're, you know, we're in the middle of this, you know, still in the middle of this COVID pandemic and I'm home with my three kids. My kids go to school two days a week, um, but I have three of them and they're not going to school the same days, which is amazing. Um, so I want, but one thing I have to say that has been so awesome is that I have been able to actually start enjoying eating more because I'm not always like this. It's not always like, I'm going to die. I'm so hungry. I need something in my belly now before I run to go do this thing with this kid. I'm able to sit and tell everyone to leave me alone for a good 30 minutes while I enjoy my food. (laughs) Yes. That's great. And I think that's a really good example because you know, a lot of us are really busy. So eating is just sort of one thing that we have to check off the list and that's okay. Sometimes that's how it's going to be, but more often than not, if you can sit down, like you're talking about and really be present with your food and take the time to enjoy it and, you know, taste the flavors that you just put together in this bowl or plate, it can make the experience just much more gratifying. As it should be right. Like, Mm -hmm. and those happy pheromones that kind of like you get from doing something you love, I mean, that to me, I see such a big connection between our mental health and doing things we enjoy, which one of these things can be eating in such an easy way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, one simple thing that, um, yeah, you can do every day for yourself to make life more enjoyable, more fun, more delicious. Yeah. So when it comes to mindful eating, um, would you say that part of mindful eating is listening to your body and knowing like, what, what you want to eat and honoring that. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a big part of it is again, getting back to listening to your body and asking these questions like, you know, okay, well, what, what sounds good to me 
today? Or for example, what I do a lot of, and I know you do some of too, is just maybe kind of prepping a little bit for the week. Um, so kind of asking myself, okay, well, what sounds good for the week? What can I maybe make to have on hand for myself? That sounds really delicious. You know, the months are starting to get a little cooler here. So let's make this, you know, really delicious, like instant pot soup. Um, that sounds really good. And really taking that time to not only ask yourself what sounds good, but following through with that as well. So, and not feeling guilty about what it is that you want. So that's a big part of it too. Um, so let's say I did make myself an instant pot soup for the week and it's delicious. I'm enjoying it. But one night, you know, I'm like, mm, that doesn't really sound good. I'd actually just rather have like a, you know, grilled cheese sandwich with some tomato soup, then that's totally okay too. So it is about just kind of slowing down a little bit, take to check in with yourself and really honor what it is that um, sounds really good, but also is going to honor your health as well. Totally. And I actually, it's funny that you say that because yes, I, um, one thing that I've actually created is a, um, I call it a meal systems course. And it's, I take away the traditional, um, the traditional idea of meal planning. And I call it a meal system because to me, when you plan something, if it doesn't work out, you kind of have some guilt about it. Like, oh, I failed my plan. Whereas a meal system, it's just a system you have in place to prepare for the week. And it's changeable. A system needs to have that, that room for flexibility. So when I, I, in my, I have a free masterclass that, you know, a lot of people have signed up to see. And I've taught that when you play, when you think about what you're doing, I suggest you really only do one or two big recipes, like actual recipes, and then use the components from those recipes to just prep some stuff. And those things are, um, like you said, can honor what you feel like in the moment. So, you know, you prep a bunch of things and you can make them into a grain bowl, but you can also stuff them in enchiladas and make them enchiladas if that's what you're feeling, or you can put them in a pot and blend it into a soup. Like it, it, it honors that idea of, because things change, like you said, the weather, the kids, like your stress, you know, when we're stressed, sometimes we want something comforting. We don't want that healthy salad or bowl that we had planned. Maybe we do want a panini. You take those roasted veggie that we're, we're going to go in your salad and you stick it between, between two pieces of bread and put some cheese in there, whatever, whether you're dairy-free cheese or regular cheese, you grill that thing up and it's so much more satisfying in the moment. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I think that, first of all, that's a novel idea. Like, I think that's brilliant. Um, but allowing yourself that flexibility is so important because again, it goes back to like the satisfaction of food. It makes you enjoy your food so much more. So if I were to have been, like you said, like really stressed out one day and I had maybe this salad prepped and I end up telling myself, oh, I sh quote, should eat this, even though it didn't really sound good. And the whole time, like, oh, grilled cheese and tomato soup would sound so much better. And I'm still thinking about it even after I ate the salad, then it's like, oh, I should have just had the grilled cheese and the soup, you know, before yeah. I even had the salad. So, or instead. Well, and you're also, like you said, you're, you're telling your own body that you're not good enough to be honored. Mm. And if we're telling ourselves that with food, I mean, aren't we going to start telling ourselves that with so many other things? And it snowballs, you know, it, it starts with food. It's such a simple way to tell yourself, Hey, I'm good enough. What I want is okay. And it's maybe it's not what, and that's why I call it a system versus a plan because I'm what I call a recovering meal planning failure. Um, I used to try and plan and plan. And I'm also very type a and very hard on myself. And 
when I didn't, when my plan failed, I felt like a failure. And that was very, it was a very mental health related to me. And so I started paying attention to like what made me feel good. And it was more having that flexibility. And so I took many years actually to write down my ideas and talk to other people who seem to have the same feelings, um, especially busy people, whether moms, business owners, whatever it is. Um, and that's how I came up with my meal system. Um, and really stress that you need to honor yourself and honor your energy. It's based on energy levels and how different times of kinds of meals take more out of your energy and being able to be flexible on a day that started like hell and went downhill. <laughs> Cause yep. we all have those days, right? Okay. You have good intentions. I'm going to do this. And then the day goes, especially like once you start having kids, it's like, they're like taking time moms. You never know when they're going to go off. Yeah. <laughs> and if you had planned to make this big meal at the end of the day, and you're like, I do not have the energy for that. You need to honor that and make something simple and, and also work into your week, zero energy meals. Like you need to honor your body and mindful eating is such a big thing for me to honoring and telling yourself you're good enough to honor type of thing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so what do you like, you obviously work with clients to like, how do you, um, how do you practice mindful eating? Like, what do you do with your clients as far as like, you know, getting started? Somebody is at the opposite end of the mindful eating spectrum. Yeah. And that's part of it is sort of assessing where they're at with their relationship with food. That's obviously a big part to see where there are some gaps that we need to fill in or some areas that we need to work on. So, uh, a part, part of it might look like someone who is really struggling with like these uncontrollable cravings at night. So they're really struggling with all of a sudden the kids are in bed and I am in the fridge or in the freezer, just eating anything and everything I can get my hands on. Um, so we really work on taking deep. It, it is a lot of kind of what you're talking about, a lot of mental and emotional work of like, okay, well, what's, what's going on here? Why is this happening? Kind of retrospectively looking at our day or looking at how we feel, what emotions are coming up, what might be emotional triggers that are, you know, pointing your, um, putting you into the, like looking into the fridge or the freezer. So really doing a lot of digging and a lot of asking the question, why, why is this happening? What am I feeling? And figuring out where we can take the next steps to kind of help improve like whatever area they're struggling with. So if for, cause it, is, it would be different for somebody that is ravenous because they literally did not eat all day Yes, <laughs> because that happens um, mm -hmm. versus somebody that did eat and nourish themselves, but yet they feel like they're still hungry. Um, what would be some, you know, emotional, like, what are some things that you do to help them move past that emotion? Cause I can imagine that it's not a, an easy fix. Yeah, no, it's not. And it can take months upon months really. So a big part of what we do in the beginning is start creating awareness. Um, I always tell my clients awareness precedes change. So before we can change anything, we have got to become hyper aware with how you're feeling, what's going on here. And again, just kind of digging deeper with your emotions. So a big part of what I have them do, even in the beginning, um, if they feel like their cravings are out of control, they feel like they're maybe overeating or whatever it is, is start creating that awareness. Okay. Let's just figure out when you're eating out of true hunger and when you're eating out of emotion or what emotional trigger is occurring to, to cause you to eat potentially. Um, so kind of just trying to differentiate between the two. And then if, again, if it's, well, I'm 
eating because I am hungry, then like you said, okay, well, maybe we're not nourishing ourselves throughout the day. Maybe we're not listening to our body throughout the day and honoring our hunger um, or eating until we're satisfied or comfortably full. So it's creating that awareness in the beginning is a big part of it. like laying that foundation and just building upon it. And do you think like, um, keeping like a food journal or even like an emotion journal of like when I'm eating, like how I'm feeling, does that, is that something that you've, that you've ever done to help like create that awareness? I, so I don't personally, I don't encourage food journals, but I do encourage journaling about feelings and emotions. Um, so we do, we will work some of that in if it like, if it fits in well, um, with the person, maybe they are, they're already journaling in general. We'll add a a line related to how we're feeling or what might be triggering us to eat, um, what emotions are coming up. So just getting uh, in deeper touch with our feelings, but yeah, if journaling is a tool that they're open to and they enjoy, um, or find productive for them, then we'll incorporate it. I love that you said that. Cause I have to say, um, I, I've tried a million things not because I've wanted to, but th- just because I've been curious, like, wh- like I tried to juice cleanse once I almost died on the first day. Um, I'm, I don't believe in that. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I need food, um, but I, I like, I've, I'm the type of person that wants to try things. Cause I want to know, like, I want to actually experience it before I make a judgment on something, you know? Um, and I tried food journaling. I lasted like two hours. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot I, of work. Oh my God. It's so much work. I'm not even kidding. It's like, it's insane. So I can see how they would bring awareness to, yeah, you're eating when you shouldn't be like, you're not hungry right now. Um, but I I was like, I could never do this. I mean, people that journal in way and do, I'm like, wow, you are dedicated because for me, I just want to eat my sandwich and I don't want to have to write about it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's such a beautiful place to be because a lot of people feel like, yeah, they have to track or they have to weigh or they have to measure. And I work with a lot of people who are recovering from that. They, and like, they're like, I don't want to do this the rest of my life. Cause as you know, it takes up so much time, so much mental energy, so much energy. So, yeah. Um, so what if someone, like we talked about a little bit at the beginning, but what about, what are some specific examples that you can give of like, uh, like somebody who really truly is practicing my, mindful eating. So a, a specific example would be when you're, let's say you're sitting down for lunch, um, you closed up shop, you're taking like, you know, 20 to 30 minutes away from work, you go and make your meal and you sit down and the TV's not on. You're not scrolling through your cell phone. In fact, you might've silenced it if possible. Um, so all your devices are silenced or put away and whether you're eating with like your kids or, you know, a significant other, whatever that looks like, you're sitting down in an environment where you feel relaxed if as much as possible. I know stress is everywhere, um, but trying to just sit down, take a deep breath and then start your meal with as minimal distractions as possible. I love that. I have to say that, so I have three kids. My kids are young. They're uh, five, almost nine, and just turned 10. Um, And it's interesting because we, I mean, we do sometimes, you know, we'll watch the TV will be on while we're eating dinner. If there's like, it's something like if there's like a football game or, you know, something kind of like that. Like, let's just say the TV was never off during the World Series, like ever, because my husband's a diehard Dodger fan. So that was like constant. But in general, we like to have family dinners with no devices, like phones away, we're sitting, we're talking, talking about our days, like, we really do like to be mindful. And the one thing I do want to start doing is with my boys, especially talking about being like present with the food, because with kids, they like, you know, 
there's rarely a time that all three kids love something. We made paninis the other day and all of them loved it. And I was like, whoa, write this down. (laughs) (laughs) Write down exactly what I put in there, exactly what they liked, because it's just not normal. But I do like to talk about when they don't like something, I, I want them to be aware of, well, why don't you like it? Not just, I don't like it, like the flavors, the texture, like I want to start being more aware in the details of like the food too. Like, what do you, what do you like about it? What is, you know, what are the flavors you like here? Um, to kind of make them more aware just of food in general, because they're old enough to really start thinking about that. You know, the youngest is five. So he's still in that phase of, I'm not eating red today. And I'm like, great, <laughs> perfect. I made tomato soup. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's such a good point too. Kind of just talking about the Dodgers thing. It's like, the idea is to like, net, like we're not aiming for perfection here by any means. It's just to be present more often. That's the goal is just to make progress in these areas. The, cause my husband and I, we love to like sit down sometimes and have dinner and watch a movie. Like it's just, it's right. fun to do on occasion. So the idea is to never just like sit in silence every single day with your meals and, um, practice that. But the idea is just to do it more often. So I think that's a good example. And like you were saying with engaging your senses, when it comes to mindful eating too, that's a a big part of it as well is just learning to like, Oh, okay, well, what's this food look like? What does it smell like? I'm kind of going through your senses. What does it sound like when I'm chewing it? What does it taste like? That's obviously really important. You know, is this something that I want to make again, or is it something that, Oh my gosh, I'm never making again. Um, so taking the time to engage those senses as well can be really helpful just with that satisfaction piece. Well, and because the truth of the matter is, I mean, this is the big thing for me. Like I, I, I love to talk about food, kids and food because so many people, like this is a big thing in with moms, like with food. And I, as my, my, my own business and brand has progressed, I've really become aware of foods and relationships. And I personally feel that if you don't allow your kids to form a good relationship with food from the time they're young, it is really going to affect them as they get older. And yes, I have boys. And so, you know, body image or what, whatnot is not as big of a hot topic with boys. However, it is a topic and it is an issue. And also one day they may choose to marry a woman and they may have a daughter. And if I don't set my boys up for success, how are they ever going to be a role model for those people? How are they ever going to help their daughter in turn have a good relationship with food? So it's, it's my husband comes from kind of, he struggles with it because he was like raised with eat all your food, eat it all. And I'm so like, I've really learned like, I don't care if you eat. I tell my kids, like my husband's like, well, how are they going to grow? I'm like, they're going to grow fine. (laughs) I mean, I know kids that live on chicken fingers and French fries and they're still growing. So (laughs) I think we're good, Mm -hmm. but it's like, I want them to learn to honor their bodies and be mindful because if they're saying, now it's one thing, you know, the five-year-old sometimes is like, oh, I'm just not hungry. My belly's telling me it does not need any more. And I was like, all right. And then five minutes later, it comes to me. My belly's telling me I really need a scoop of ice cream. (laughs) Well, that's great. But your belly is not going to be happy if you just eat ice cream and you don't fill it with some good nourishing stuff too. So why don't you ask your belly if it would like to finish some of its dinner first, and then we can honor it with what it wants with the ice cream. (laughs) And, you know, he always is like, "Mm, fine. Um, (laughs) But it is important for my kids and, and it's okay for them not to like something. That's the thing is that 
I have three kids. We're a family of five. Everything I make is not going to satisfy every person. Yep. That's just it. If it does, great. Let's make that thing every single week. And we do have meals like that for sure. But like, it's not even going to satisfy my husband every time. You know, I mean, he's much better, but he used to be really picky on things. But that's the truth of the matter. And I want to ask my kids like, well, what don't you like? I know I have learned that one of them does not like tomatoes. That's fine. You know, like you have to honor that. Like, I don't like beets and I'm iffy with eggplant. And so if someone came to me and is like, you have to eat those beets before you can have your mac and cheese or whatever, I'd be like, no. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, say what you're talking about is really important because that's where like we, our signals are disrupted when it comes to, you know, what it is that we truly want and when we're satisfied and when we're not, when we hear other people, maybe, and not necessarily talking about parents, but just in general, like diet culture, you know, kind of questioning what it is that we're eating. Oh, should you be eating that? Or isn't that a lot to be eating? You know, all these questions, all this noise that you hear, it can really disrupt those signals or that, you know, even just that desire to eat certain foods. Totally. And it's funny because what you say, is not a lot that you're eating. So I'm uh, barely five one and I probably average about a hundred pounds. Like that's just, I've always been petite. That's just the way I am. Um, but yeah, now that I'm getting older, you know, it's, it's not as high, but as a young person, I always ate a lot. Like I've always loved food. I'm Greek first generation. My parents are immigrants here. Greeks, like when you say you're not hungry, they're like, great, I'm going to make you a spread. And you're like, no, no, no. I just said, I'm not hungry, but it's like insane. I go to Greece and whenever we go to Greece, they're like, do you not eat in America? What's wrong with you? You're so small, but it's food is a big part of our culture, but I grew up, um, with a lot of amazing food and I grew up eating a lot. That's just, I love to eat. So when I would go on dates, like, especially with my husband, when he first met me, they were like, Oh, so you're not the salad girl. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Nope. I'd like the full course, please. And it was always, they always, it was always a thing. And thank God that I was raised with a good relationship with food in general. Um, And I was, you know, I had a fair confidence for most things or things I'm definitely, you know, don't love about myself, but I thank God it never bothered me because I would take down, I'm in Southern California. So like I would take down a whole burrito and people would be like, (laughs) yep. Yeah. And, but it's like, dude, like I'm hungry. What am I, am I not going to eat? Like, I I don't get that. Yep, absolutely. So like honoring that, I mean, honoring how much you want to eat, what you want to eat, and just trying to ignore everyone else's opinions and judgments. Totally. So why do you think uh, mindful eating is beneficial? Like we have, I mean, there's so much out there with in the diet world, like everybody wants to sell a new diet because, hey, everyone wants to make money. I get it. It's a business, right? Like it's, it's a business and everyone says their way is the right way. I mean, it just is. Yep. So why, why is it beneficial to not allow everybody else to tell you how you should eat and honor yourself? Like, are there other things that it helps? Like, what do you think on that one? Yeah. So this approach really does help just build that confident relationship with food that we're kind of talking about. It helps you like cultivate that trust within yourself. Again, going back to choosing foods that you want, eating how much you want, um, eating when you want. It just, it basically puts the ball in your court versus again, relying on a company or uh, somebody else to tell you how and what you should eat. So it really creates that freedom when it comes to food, again, just to kind of 
eat whatever you want. And by no means does that negate health. Um, but it really just, again, puts the ball in your court to choose what it is that, you know, how you want to eat and what you want to eat. Um, because oftentimes, especially in the dieting world, we get in this cycle of, you know, most diets, if you look at them, most bad diets, especially they restrict certain types of foods. They tell you what you can't have. And what happens there is we often, you know, these foods that we can't have or shouldn't have, or that we're forbidding ourselves from eating, guess what? All we end up thinking about are those foods. It's like, you know, telling, I'm sure like your kids, oh, you can't have this or don't touch this. And guess what? All they want to do is like, go, you know, touch the hot stove or, you know, eat the food that they're not supposed to have. And so that's a big part of it is this cycle that we're perpetually in. We are dieting and restricting. Um, it's hard to get out of it because we're restricting certain foods, which makes us think about those foods, which makes us potentially binge on those foods. And then we just start the diet all over again. So what mindful eating does is it helps eliminate that restriction, um, whether it's, you know, we're doing it or we're being told to do it. And it just helps create that food freedom so that we can enjoy food in the best way possible. Um, and don't you think that that building the confidence around food will spill into making you just confident overall in other things, right? Oh yeah. It's so funny. I see this a lot in my clients. Um, once they start like building confidence and trust in themselves, then I don't know if I can cuss on here, but they notice the BS yes. in yes. all these other things. Okay. <laughs> I had a client recently tell me, she's like, oh my gosh, I, she got an email from a, a diet or a supplement company. And she's like, all I could do was smell the bullshit. She's like, that's yeah. all I could do. And so they start seeing how they're being almost preyed on their weaknesses and insecurities, uh, you know, within themselves are being preyed on. And you're right. The diets, the diet and supplement industry, it is incredibly profitable and they don't give a, you know, what about your health, your wellness, your well-being. Some of them might yeah. say that they do, but they don't. Yeah. It's, it's about the money because I mean, it's a business. You have to understand that, that it is. And it's such a hard line because so, and I know that we've talked about, you don't focus on um, weight loss, which mm -hmm. is a big one. And what's, it's an interesting, I, I'm, it's an interesting arena for me. Cause I do believe that, you know, there are people that have for lack of a better term, quote unquote, let themselves go and been down this road of being super unhealthy and have gained weight that really want to lose weight, which yeah. it should be okay. If you want to lose weight for the right reasons, it should be okay to lose weight. Like, especially like once you've had a baby, like you're struggling to, I don't want to say get back to your body. Cause let's be real. You never go back to the way you were before. And that's okay. And that's actually amazing. I personally feel so much better after I've had kids than I ever felt before I had kids. And I love that. Um, yeah, I'm not exactly the same size as I was when I was 16, because that's weird. Like, yeah, <laughs> as yep. you grow, that's weird if you don't change. Like, that's just not normal. Um, but when it comes to one thing I remembered during pregnancy was I was pregnant at the same time as one of my friends. And I am petite. I am small. My first child, I went through two and a half, three years of fertility in order to have him. I went through four rounds of IVF, three rounds of IUI, everything under the sun. And I had so many hormones in me. It was insane. So when I had my first child, I gained 30 plus pounds and I'm a hundred pounds. That's like almost half my body size. Yeah. I felt like an Oompa Loompa for lack of a better term. I was like so swollen. I had so much water weight. Like my OB would like, I'd walk in and she'd be like, Oh God. <laughs> and, but she told me, she's like, 
your body's going to do what it's going to do. Like, and I, all I craved were carbs. I am not kidding you that all I wanted was Hawaiian rolls with a slice of Swiss cheese in the middle. I ate that. I was sick my entire pregnancy. And that's all I wanted to eat was like carbs, carbs, carbs. And you know, that's what my body wanted. And I, when you're pregnant, like, I'm sorry, but you may think you're going to be able to control what you want to eat, but you're not going to like, if all, any of you out there think like, Oh no, I'm going to eat this and be so healthy, whatever. Like, aha, uh-huh, wait, you just wait till you're pregnant. Your body does not listen to your, it, your body takes control. Talk about mindful eating. Your body eats it, whatever it is. Yeah, it is. And so what's interesting is my friend gained 60 pounds and she's much larger than me. She's super tall, whatever. She was like, so upset about it. And she was like, I'm eating smoothies every day. I'm being so healthy. And she's eating those things because that's what she craved and she wanted. She goes, why am I gaining all this weight? And her doctor's like, look, your body is going to do what it's going to do. You can try and prevent it. Pregnancy is one of these wake up calls when it comes to mindful eating, whatever. And, and when it comes to our body is that you can do what you want. It's not going to listen. It, it, it's going to do what it needs to do. It's going to gain the weight that it needs to weight to gain in order to have your baby. And so it was such an interesting thing to me to see my body did what it wanted to do. Well, guess what happened when I had my second kid? I gained not even 20 pounds. I gained like, and it was just my body was at a different place because I didn't have like, it just, it was crazy to see my body did what it was going to do both mm-hmm. times. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't control that. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I think that's a good point because it, it kind of refers to there's something called set point theory, which is like when you're moving in a way that feels really good to you, whether it's intuitive, joyful, whatever that is, and then you're eating foods that again, align with your health and align with your taste buds, your weight is going to stay within this range that like your body is designed to stay within that it wants to stay within. And what happens is so often we try to go at war with ourselves, trying to diet restrict, try to lose this weight when our body's like, no, I just, I'm really happy with where I'm at. And that's part of why I don't bring weight into or weight loss, focusing on weight loss into my practice is because I truly believe, you know, when we're working on this foundation of, you know, developing a really healthy relationship with food and eating foods again, that align with our taste buds and our health. And we're moving in a way that feels really good. The way it's, it's going to happen. It's sort of a side it's happen. thing. Yeah. Yes. And that's kind of, and that's, that was kind of my point is that weight is that if you are looking to lose weight, almost taking a step back and thinking, what do I need to do first? It's not the end point isn't about necessarily the number. Um, because I will tell you when I'm my most fit, I actually weigh more because I am more fit. I have more muscle than I do when I'm not, you know, at my, at my quote unquote unhealthiest, where I was barely, I, I've always been into exercise activity, working out, but there was a period of time where I wasn't moving like I usually do. And I was eating more like crap. I was actually my lightest Mm, because I was. I didn't have, you know, the tone, the muscle that I usually do when I'm moving. Um, but it's true. And that's the thing is I fluctuate. I mean, I'm small, but I do fluctuate between probably 98 pounds, and like 105 pounds. Yeah. That's kind of my fluctuation. Um, whether I'm not getting enough sleep, whether I'm not treating myself well, that I see my weight and I gain weight in my butt and thighs. It's the Greek in me. My stomach has always been really flat. Even after three kids, it's just 
I'm blessed with that, but I gain weight, my butt and thighs. And I can tell like in that area when I'm not, you know, and that to me is a trigger of, okay, what, what's not happening? You know what? I'm not sleeping right. I am not, you know, those going back to those basics, right. Of not just eating, but everything else you're doing. Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. So yeah, obviously like nutrition is important. Food is important, but exactly what you're talking about, sleep, stress management, you know, how your gut is functioning, your microbiome. Like there are so many other facets that go on here that help create this like healthy body that we're talking about this body that feels really, really good. Um, yeah, it's, I talk about nutrition a lot, but I think what you're touching on is, is so important as well. Um, sleep and managing your stress and all that. Well, and because our bodies, like back in the stone age or whatever, when our bodies, when they're stressed, like they want to build weight to keep us healthy. Right. Cause we all have said, like, especially we're going through this pandemic. So a lot of people are hearing a lot about health and what, what people are at risk and whatever. And when you're super thin and you don't have, and you're undernourished, your body doesn't have the energy and the reserve to fight. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. And so when you're stressed, your body just like automatically is like store, give me all the things because I want to prepare for war, you know? Yeah. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. So managing that kind of stuff is really important and paying attention to it too. There's a lot of things to yeah be aware of. Absolutely. Which kind of brings us full circle to mindful eating because mindful eating, like you said, is like almost like a meditation and being in the moment. And when you practice that, when you practice meditation, you're automatically helping your stress, your anxiety, your, so it's almost this like cyclical thing. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. It can be applied to some other things. Yep. Totally. Um, and that's like the same, like we talked a little bit about diet culture, but that I feel like it's funny. Cause when I started my business in the vegan plant-based world, I, um, I started it in feeling like, um, the black sheep of the group, because I was always, I would, I, I kind of, you know, looked at all these influencers, all these people. And I was like, wow, they are pretty hardcore. They're very all or nothing. Like, and I was not all or nothing. I've never been all or nothing. I, I have anxiety. I cannot be all or nothing. It triggers my anxiety like crazy to have these confines like around me. And I can't do gluten now for health reasons, which is a whole nother conversation, but it's stressful for me because I have to actually avoid something. And I've never had to do that. And if I don't avoid it, it affects me pretty negatively. So I know I have to, but it's hard. So that's kind of why I started bringing up this conversation of it doesn't have to be all or nothing because the stress of that to, for a lot of people doesn't work. And I had so many people come out of the woodworks and come to me and message me and, and say, oh my gosh, thank you for giving me the permission to honor. Like, you know, I had one woman tell me that she traveled for a living and she was so stressed out having to travel because she had to follow the vegan diet that she would pack a suitcase of food that she could take with her. Cause she was so stressed to go somewhere and not have something to eat. And I said to her, I'm like, uh, what? And she goes, listening to your, I, I it did like a live once she was listening to you, gave me the permission to let it go. And, and, oh my gosh, I've been so much happier. And I'm like, wow. Like, yeah. I can't believe that you, I mean, so stressed out. She goes, I was a mess, like a emotional mess. And I'm like, yeah, if you're on emotional mess, you need to check yourself because <laughs> food should not be doing that. Right. Right. Yeah. That's very like beautifully stated because 
that all or nothing mentality, like you said, it almost sets us up for failure every single time. Cause we feel like, again, we're like aiming for perfection and that is impossible and it's not fun. It's freaking boring. So yeah. the idea that we can allow ourselves that flexibility and live a life again, going back to just enjoying the food that we're eating and not being stressed out about feeling like you have to fit into this box when it comes to eating is really important as well. Yeah. And if it naturally happens that you you, you know, and it could be that you don't want to eat animal products for other reasons, which is totally, you know, honorable and whatever. And that stresses you out, which is fine because your body is telling you, you know, but if there's something that you're craving and you need to eat, it's so important, in my opinion, to honor that. I just, I've learned the hard way. I see my kids. I, you know, I, I want them to be happy when it comes to food. And, you know, we started putting a candy jar out on our counter. And you know how many times my kids get something out of the candy jar? Like once in a while. Yeah. Like you yeah. think that you had it out there. They'd be, you know, they're like, oh, but you just let them have whatever they want. I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, but we also talk about the actual science behind nutrition and how when you pair a sugar with a protein, it helps not spike that. And I tell you know, when you eat candy sometimes, like, and you just like, you feel it's so good, but then you feel like sluggish and like you're kind of tired and crabby. Like, well, a lot, sometimes that has to do with the fact that there's this thing called glucose and it spikes and the after effects of that. And I said, well, if you pair that sweet sugar with a protein, even if it was like an apple, if we eat peanut butter with it, it kind of helps us feel really good after we eat it. And, and they were like, oh, they start thinking about it and they actually do it now. Yeah. And they say things, oh, mom, look, this bar has peanuts and chocolate chips and that's a protein. And it's just like, it's amazing what we, what kids will learn and actually start doing when they hear the reasons behind things versus no, you can't have candy. Why? Um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right. Absolutely. And I think that's good to note because I think there can be often be a mis like understanding of like what intuitive eating or mindful eating it is. Cause by no means, like we said, does it negate health? It's again, giving yourself that flexibility to eat the foods that you want. Cause more often than not, I'm going to eat, you know, my, whatever I prepped for food for the week and my oatmeal and my quinoa bowls. But heck, if I really want like a vegan gluten-free donut, then sign me up, you know, I'm going to have it. So it's, it's, it's choosing the foods most often that are typically aligned with health, but allowing yourself that flexibility to have fun foods when you want them. Well, and I think too, when you finally learn to be in touch with your body, your body does crave the nutritious, wholesome food. Yes. It really does. People, people that say that like, oh, my body doesn't crave that. It just craves chocolate cake all the time. It's like, well, that's because you've lost touch with your body's intuition because our bodies need nutrients. They need nourishment. And I, having done this for a while now, I do crave those things when my body is ready for those. Like it does crave veggies. It craves that stuff because it knows it's lacking that, you know, cause we went away last weekend and it was a weekend of pizza, French fries, margaritas. Yep. <laughs> and when we came back, like, it's funny, my body, like on Monday, like I had this big green juice from Trader Joe's that we hadn't finished before we left. And I saw that I was like, Ooh, I, I think I need that. And it wasn't like a pran thing. I just looked at it. I was like, I put a straw in it and I drank that whole thing. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> and it just like, that's what I, that's what I felt. And it, I'm, you know, when you pay attention, but I think so many people just don't know how to pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's a practice. It, it definitely takes time to figure out how to get back in yep. touch with yourself. 
Well, this has been awesome. Um, if somebody wants, I will have all of your info for all of you listening um, for Ashley, her website, where you can get in touch with everything in the um, uh, blog post write up. But if you could give anybody like, I don't know, a few tips to get started, if they want to get started on their own, they're like, I want to do this, what would be your like, off the top of your head tips? So one of the main things would be is to just try and eliminate some of those distractions that we talked about when you do sit down to eat your meals more often than not, not every time. Um, so things like scrolling through social media while you're eating or even working while you're eating, you're trying to step away from your desk if you can, even if you have just 10 minutes to do that. Um, that would be like the first place I would say to start. And then similar to also what we talked about with just creating awareness with what it is your body wants um, and just trying to figure out, okay, am I eating because I'm truly hungry? or am I eating because maybe I'm stressed or emotional? Um, so creating that awareness as well. Those are kind of two places that I would suggest to just give it a try, start paying attention and see what you find. I love that. I love that. I think the easiest one is eliminating distractions because when you eliminate distractions, if you sit down and you look at what you're eating and you're like, this is not what I want. Yep. It makes a big difference. <laughs> yeah. Because when you have distractions, like you don't even really know if that's what you want. Yeah. And too, you don't really know maybe when you're like comfortably full. Um, yeah. So it does kind of allow you to pay attention and check in with yourself as you're eating to be like, oh, okay, I'm satisfied. Time to stop. Well, especially because it takes time for your brain to actually, you know, uh, comprehend like, oh, I'm actually full. I say that to my kids all the time. I mean, I have my, my oldest son is like an eater like me and um, he powers through dinner and then he's like, I need more. And I'm like, sit. Let's chat with the, fam the family, drink some water. If in 15 to 20 minutes, you're still hungry, by all means, go feed yourself. But I'm guessing that entire plate of food you just ate, you might not be hungry. It might yeah. just be that we're all still eating. You powered it down, you know, so that's like a good one. I love that. Thank you so much for being here. I so appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. And for those of you listening, um, make sure to pay attention for the next episode that is going to be coming out because we're going to be talking to another guest um, all about um, her life experiences and how she created a business out of it. Thanks, everybody. I so appreciate you all.